0: Every leader has a strategy. Executing on that strategy is the challenge. If you want to learn how to effectively achieve what you've set out to accomplish, then this show is for you. Gain keen insights and listen in as leaders share their stories and challenges. Soar Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation welcome you to Leader Dialogue Radio.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Leader Dialogue brought to you by SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. I'm Duffy Dixon. Let me introduce you to our two exceptional leaders with the SOAR Vision Group. Ben Sawyer is Chief Executive Officer. He has over 30 years of executive leadership experience. Now, he launched the SOAR Vision Group to help align people with purpose to achieve exceptional results, and he himself has had dramatic results. Jennifer Strahan is the Chief Operating Officer with Sore Vision Group. Jennifer has partnered with more than 100 healthcare systems and businesses across the U.S. She, too, helps them transform their strategic and administrative operations. Our special guest, this week is Colonel Gemini Mikowski. She is a leader, strategist, and change agent with more than 30 years combined health care experience in the private sector and the Department of Defense. She served in the U.S. Air Force and is now currently a reserve officer. Welcome, Colonel. We really appreciate you joining us.
0: Thank you for having me. Now,
1: you are going to talk about something that is pretty interesting. This is not something we've talked about before to the best of my knowledge right. and this is about cyber security when it comes to businesses and specifically healthcare.
2: Yes so Jim and I are excited that you're here today so that people don't know that I've had the privilege of getting to know you a lot over the past year and your expertise and just about everything is always fascinating um, with of course your background and And just you're a hoot to be around as well. So you guys are in for a treat as we we talk today. But, yes, cybersecurity so very relevant for everything we've been going through within healthcare. A lot of organizations, and I think a lot of people don't always recognize or realize just how significant the trade-offs are when we start to think about healthcare and all of the technology we have available, but at the same time, um, the potential trade-off with security.
3: Right. And and many uh, hospitals of late have... Have gone through ransomware attacks, mm-hmm. where uh, hackers come in and basically hold them hostage and and don't allow them to be able to use their electronic medical record unless they pay uh, dearly to be able to get them to unlock it. It's a it's a growing difficult problem.
2: So maybe yes, yeah. So oh, Jim and I was going to ask if maybe you could actually share a little bit about just kind of the impetus for what this is why this is so important in healthcare.
0: Well, it, I think it, it's very important and it's very relevant because of the trajectory of where healthcare is. If we think about the healthcare landscape, with the uh, cost of healthcare escalating, um, you know, it's projected to be at five over five trillion in in 2021, I believe, at 19% GDP, and we've got challenges of access to care. Um, and also changes in reimbursement, and then we've got the um back in I believe two thousand nine when the uh, health Information Technology for Economic and Clinical Health Act was implemented, and really it's Geared towards the interoperability of of um, medical records, making it readily available and and increasing the efficiency of providing care and connectivity, and giving access to physicians and consumers. But the unintended consequences to that is that with the push of this high-tech act was the second, third order effects of hospitals not really being able to already ready for, for the um, implementation. There were some ch- challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the systems were, you know, legacy systems connected to medical devices, and, and then we had some vulnerabilities. And so it's very important because... Some of the consequences of this, as we looked at, is you know patient safety. Um, as as um, Ben mentioned earlier, you've got ransomware attacks, malwares, and all these um, phishing, spams, um, and access to uh, healthcare being targeted with the intent of stealing medical records. And why is that? Why is that important? I mean. I think it was reading something about back then when they used to steal your Social Security. It costs about a dollar. Lately, I guess, it's dropped about 50 cents or 25 cents in black market. But if they steal your medical record, it's got all your information as an individual that they can then sell in the black market for hundreds of dollars. And someone can take your profile and then use it for whatever... Nefarious act they want to do. Um, and then, as we continue to move towards the digital age, right, making everything accessible, um, all these medical devices and Internet of Things, the things that, for example, we wear um, that monitor health um, and wellness, these expose us, not only the medical community, but us, the patients, the consumers to all these nefarious characters and whatever they want to do with our information, be it for for profit financially or if they want to target someone that's of significant importance and what they want to do with that information.
2: Sounds like a a suspense movie that we can literally jump right into. Yeah,
1: it sounds scary is what it sounds like. And, you know, Jennifer and I have talked about this. You know, there is this push, and we've all heard about it, to put everyone's medical records online or, or within a secure system, right? Mm-hmm. Make everything computerized. But what I'm hearing is while there's this push to get all of that done, these hospitals or these m- medical communities may not have what they need to make sure that it's safe.
3: Yeah, hence hence the term cybersecurity. Right. And so, uh, Gemini, what are some of the... Um advances or things that health systems, for example, need to consider as they're talking about putting in fail-safe cybersecurity approaches?
0: Well, what I've, I've learned, and, and this is really fascinating, and I've, I've learned that there are several um, cybersecurity frameworks that are out there, and actually government to protect the, what they call the critical infrastructures. Um, when they started happening it, it's it's not just impacting healthcare. I mean it actually started way back I think twenty fourteen was the year of the hack when, you know, finance, retail, healthcare, entertainment industry was hacked, right? Yeah. And so um for healthcare specifically, then they enacted this um in twenty fifteen we have the um healthcare cybersecurity act. And NIST was charged with putting together a cybersecurity framework to help healthcare and and the critical infrastructures. And so, what I've seen is that we do have critical infra—I uh, mean, cybersecurity frameworks out there. One of the ones that I've been reading lately is called High Trust. I mean, you've got NIST. Baldridge came out with one. I actually attended the Baldrige training for it. Um, then you've got High Trust and you've got ISO 9000. But the question I had is, um, we do have this cybersecurity frameworks that are being used by these different companies. And I think if you look at High Trust website, they there was a uh, information that they put out there that about 80% of healthcare systems or facilities have High Trust, and so and that's great. But from what I've been reading a lot about it, it's more of a what I call a um, a cyber neutral framework, if you will, or sh- from a strategic standpoint. I mean, it's 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 great to have it, and the questions I have are: How do we know it works? Is it effective? Mm-hmm. Right. And if it's effective, then why do we continue to have? Cybersecurity breaches. So, if you look at the database from HHS and its OCR, and I, I just look at it every day, we continue to see healthcare systems—not just hospitals, but physicians' group, um, insurance companies—they're they're getting breached. And so, what is it that is? Why is it continuing? What are we missing? Right.
2: It, so it's interesting because a lot of a lot of healthcare systems and to your point, this isn't just about healthcare, it's every single business. Yes. You know, small business, large business, et cetera. But a lot of organizations, they're sitting back and they're saying, Hey, we recognize the threat, but we don't really have the expertise to truly manage this to the level that it probably should be managed. So then it becomes this question of, you know, is this is this now a service that we outsource? And we actually had this conversation just a couple of weeks ago when we were in with a, a group of um, executives mm-hmm. where they were talking about places and companies like Amazon who can help manage your infrastructure. And there was this hesitation, well, well do we give our data over? And the question is, well, is it safer now than what it could right. be? And so it's actually a balance where it's a question of, we recognize the priority, but do we actually have this structure in place to be able to pr- protect that information?
0: Well, and if you think about it, I mean, if you look at the different healthcare systems, they're different sizes. Mm-hmm. A- and as we learned, as some of their margins are, you know, less than 1% to 4%. And if you look at small, small medium to large, and then there's the challenges of trying to just remain viable with mm-hmm. all these cost containment pressures. And if you were the CEO or the healthcare you know, the C suite of that hospital system and you've got this act you have to balance, how would you prioritize it? And is it is cybersecurity important? Yes. I mean, we think about patient safety, we think about the what happens when that records are out. But it's not I don't think it's an easy problem. I mean, we have to look at it from the perspective of the senior leaders and the patients and the resources that's available to them and you're right i mean some of the readings and research i've i've read is that they are starting to outsource it there's all these companies out there that are offering um assistance um but it's not just a silo approach and i think we you look at it from a Baldrige perspective right when we think about the approach that Baldridge has of the integrated systems. Right. If you look at it from a silo approach then then we're just relegating it to okay IT system, IT folks and CISO, This these are the things that we need you to do. But from a organizational standpoint you need to look at it from a holistic approach and say we need to educate our consumers. We need to educate our staff, and they're already they're doing that. Some facilities are doing simulation, um, but it takes a while to change the culture. Whether mm-hmm. you call it a cyber safety culture or cyber awareness culture, it, it takes a while to do that. And you know the most common um, problem that we have, or what they call the Attack surfaces is, is, is our personnel, human beings, and changing the behavior of, you, of, of our staff and everyone involved to not click on an email. Phishing is, is very common if you see that, phishing All incidents, right. hacking incidents. So we have to change our culture, we have to educate our staff and get our physicians and our patients on board.
3: Right. So, a um, couple clarifications for the listeners. Um, you talked about narrow margins, 1%, maybe to 4%. And you, you uh, mentioned earlier in your discussion the High Tech Act, um, which was funding um, these electronic medical records. So, for the listener, there was this impetus and some money to go along with it. Uh, for health systems to make this transition. However, these are very, very expensive uh, engagements. So, Gemini, it's not unusual for a large health system to pay upwards of $50 million, right, for a, a electronic health uh, um, implementation. And then when you add cybersecurity on top of it, it actually can have really delirious effects on bottom line EBITDA. Is that what you're referring to?
0: Yeah, so... so ch- to just to go back briefly, the high tax or meaningful Use act was sort of a stimulus package where they gave i think depending on which article you read it the range was between twenty nine billion to thirty six billion stimulus package and and it was the implementation of it was multi phase was like from up to five years, but I can't remember there was an article i re- i read and I wish I could quote the name of the author, but he used it as a like a carrot-and-stick approach. Right. Um, here's the funding, but if you cannot execute it within five years, well, now you're going to start paying penalties. So then what happened when that um, came out, I, some of the hospitals, I believe it was about 90, 95 percent of their budget was Spent on executing this, but with five percent of that only in cybersecurity. Um, also, if you read Hims, um, Hims was there was a survey on how much budget have these institutions allocated for um, cybersecurity, and I think it ranged from between um, one to six percent. Um, and of course, each institution, as we've talked about, our, It's going to be based on their size. It's going to be based on their resources that's available to them. But also, what we found with that is a vulnerability within the healthcare systems and these institutions are the lack of experts. Cybersecurity Mm -hmm. um, is not the same as you know having um, information. technology staff. I mean, it's a, it's a different kind mm-hmm. of mindset, and it's a different kind of skill set. And so it, it's, it's a convergence of all these vulnerabilities and threats and a lack of resources that are all coming together. So what do we do with this? And, and it's not easy. I mean, the cybersecurity frameworks that are out there, they're actually geared to be also multi-phase implementations. And so that sort of helps the institution. But as Ben, you mentioned, I mean, this is, it's resource. You need resources. Um, and there are, as we know today with the healthcare landscape and the challenges, we don't have that much resources available.
3: Right. So that's really helpful. Thank you for that. A couple things for the listeners. Um, Gemini is describing uh, a, a couple different organizations. Earlier, you heard NIST. Yeah, NIST stands for the National Institute of Standards and Technology. It is where the Baldridge is housed, um, and as as uh, Gemini has talked about, the Baldridge looks and helps organizations deal with these kinds of things comprehensively. And as you know, the Baldridge Foundation is a partner of this Leader Dialogue program. So that's that's what's bringing all this together. Um, Gemini also uh, referenced HIMSS. HIMSS is the Healthcare Information and Management Systems Society. Uh, it is uh, all the chief information officers in healthcare and all the other people that are essentially involved in that, including uh, senior leaders that come together to talk about anything healthcare management system related, basically. Um, so there are these forums and these you know, regulatory bodies and so forth that are trying to tackle um, this problem. But as you can tell from the conversation, it is complicated and somewhat evasive. It's not like you can just put a bubble around the, you know, a, a essentially electronic bubble around the hospital. That and,
2: would be nice though. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah, if you could? if it were only that easy. <laughs> yeah,
3: it's like, hey, I wanna put a bubble around. But, but to Gemini's point, there's all these people, consumers, staff, et cetera, that have it on their cell phone Right, so it's not it's not just around an entity; it's actually so, out so there. So let's
2: talk about that perspective because there's a, there's also a push and a presence from the consumer market to say, "Hey, we want technology." I think Gemini, you shared with me in the past that there were um, studies by Deloitte and Accenture when they talk about, "Hey, what do consumers really want in healthcare?" And it's they want personalized care, they want clear communications during their visits, and they want to be treated like a human. And interestingly enough, I think you also shared that was I think a De- Deloitte study, and then you also shared with Accenture that they talked about they want access to care, they want appointment management and prescription refills electronically. So we're coming to the point to where a lot of our our consumers actually don't necessarily want to be in face to face if they don't have to be, and that a lot of a lot of individuals, I think you've all, I was she sent me some. Information to read up on, so I've been studying. Um, she, so always has, she always has to point out how much she studies. Are you I getting that? Getting that? All and all the, the books she reads—it's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. really just, <laughs> you're just, really fortunate to be around me. Although
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm watching her head grow, actually, <laughs> as I'm sitting next to her, it's really—it's a fun phenomenon.
2: Yeah,
1: it is. You know, <laughs> so, uh, but
3: that uh, headset's <laughs> not going to fit much
1: longer. I'm just telling you right now.
0: <laughs> I think it's already getting small. <laughs> Does it hurt? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think to add to that, I mean, you know, Internet of Things. It's really broad isn't it but we don't think about if you think about it and you look at what you have in your person that anyone can hack and access i mean everyone's i'm wearing fitbit and fitbit helps you monitor you know your exercise level and all of that um, now we're also going into tele telemedicine. Yes. I mean all this, this we're we're in the virtual world right now. It's kind of yeah. I love sci-fi. Um I used to watch, you know, sci-fi, <laughs> Star Trek and when they used those tricorders to Oh to yeah, make, that's so, well, we're heading that way. I mean, we've got nanotechnology. We've got all sorts of technology if you look at the internet and what they're doing and you look at what Apple is 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 putting out there, and all these different technology companies. Um, and you're right. I mean, as as consumers, we want convenience. And one of the things, and I think it was a Rand study that that I read back in 2014. That you read studies, too? <laughs> <laughs> That's why you guys are friends. I'm getting it. It's all making sense now. And and and, and that as sometimes the consumers, you know, they would. The trade-off is, I want convenience, so okay, then I'm going to let go of security. Well, you mm-hmm. just open a loophole there. Yeah. Um, and and it, one of the things I'm looking at is that it was a Cisco study that said that the Internet of Things devices is projected to reach 20.8 billion by 2020. That's not far, Mm-mm. Right. And that the cost of cybercrime is supposed to rise from three trillion, which was back in twenty fifteen, to six trillion in twenty twenty one. That's not far. Wow. And our cybersecurity spending is expected to exceed by one trillion. And so think about that. And 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 if we can we really prevent it from happening, not necessarily, but can we mitigate it? I think there's strategies, not just using cybersecurity frameworks, but actually as an institution, as, as an organization, what are the strategies that you can execute, understanding your threat landscape that is relevant to you as an institution, your size, your location. It, we need to think like those cyber hackers, if you will. I mean, what do they want out of you as an entity, as an organization? And how can you make it difficult for them to to get that? I mean, uh-huh. it's really what is the end game? What are they looking for? And what strategies can we use? Um, which goes back to if I was an entity, and I think, again, Ben, you mentioned about, about um, the Bouldridge framework, alignment and integration. I mean, if you look at the ADLI approach in the Bouldridge model, which stands for A, approach, D, deployment, and then learning and integration. Most institutions uh, that may be really good at approach and deployment, but then how do you monitor that what you're doing, that the strategies you're executing towards cybersecurity is effective? Um, I just I, there's a great book that I was reading um, about the failure of risk management by Douglas Hubbard. It's a really great book. If, if you know, it's called "The Failure of Risk Management: Why It's Broken and How to Fix It." All right. um, it debunks what what is are commonly used out there, the tools that are commonly used for managing and, and measuring cybersecurity. It's very interesting. I mean, not cybersecurity, risk management. Right. You know, the heat maps, the mm. the different tools that we use that says, you know, the occurrence of likely, most likely, unlikely. If, if you're really, what he's really saying is, and Jennifer, this goes back to what you and I have discussed, and is that we need something, if you're going to have a measurement, it has to be quantifiable. And if you're going to make decisions based off of that, then it can't be something as subjective as, is it likely to happen, most likely, least likely. Mm -hmm. It's got to be using whatever um, statistical analysis tools we have. And and he was talking about uh, a different... um, um, tool that they use for, and it's called the Monte Carlo analysis, I think it's called Mm -hmm. the Monte Carlo analysis, which is most commonly used by actuarials and and finance industry. Well, why can't we use that and apply it?
3: Um, So Gemini, um, what you're going over is actually evoking a few questions here around the table. We're going to start with uh, Duffy.
1: Well, I may be backtracking here. I just had a question as a a healthcare consumer or as a patient. Is there anything I should be asking or I should uh, be wondering when I go to my doctor or, you know, I know a lot of doctors now say, hey, sign up for this portal Mm -hmm. and I can send you all your test results.
2: It's a great point. And
1: I was like, I don't think I'm going to do that because then the information is on my computer. And if I get hacked and and if my information gets out there, I mean, there could be some real consequences because I think. The sacred, the sacred trust between it's just between the doctor and me, Um, you know, and now I just it just this is a game changer. And it's been happening. This Mm -hmm. is not new. And you're right. As people say, can I just renew my prescriptions or can you just leave me a message of my test results?
2: You know, it's almost scary because I think there's a false sense of security among not only consumers, but even even healthcare and just workers. I don't think we realize. We were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, Ben. You mentioned, you know, had I, whenever the internet kind of first started doing, you could do consumer purchases. You're like, yeah. I'm going to put my credit yeah. card out there. Now we do it and we don't think about it. Right. But how often do you get emails saying like, oh, this company was hacked and your information, oh, and, you need and, to change passwords. And so by the need-
3: way, I got a call one day that said, uh, from my credit card company, that said, did you just check into a hotel in Italy? Yeah, and I like, said no. I wish. Unfortunately, I said no. I'm I'm here in Atlanta, and they're like, okay, that's what we we thought. Your your card has been hacked and reproduced, and somebody is using it. I mean, so
2: we had that, and someone just went to North Carolina. I'm like, man, you're gonna do it. Do it right. Go <laughs> yeah, to Italy. Exactly.
3: So so Gemini, in terms of helping to parse this for the the listeners, respond first to Duffy's question, and then I have a, a follow up question really about digital health. But go ahead.
0: So. The, the way I look at it is, one, we, our information is out there. If you Google yourself, every, you know whatever you do, you do. If you bought a house, or, your information is out there, right? Right. And so, we don't need. We don't want to live in fear. We know the information is out there. But from a consumer and patient standpoint, maybe one of the things I would, I would ask is uh, the healthcare provider is, you know, I I talk about that as a concern is that um, we know that that is one of the concerns right now is how truthful are patients going to be in providing information if they know that it's going to get out there. So I would ask the provider, I mean, what are the processes that they have in place? How are they, how are they protecting our information um, so that it's, so I feel safe as a consumer, as a patient, that, that and knowing that the hospital and the medical group, the clinic, has all these control systems in place to make sure that, to protect my information. I, I'm That's from a personal standpoint as a patient and from what I've read. I mean, there's so much out there, and it's so hard to keep up. And... Technology is always going to be faster than policy, mm-hmm. and even even the um, High Trust yesterday. I, I was on their website. Um, they actually um, printed a list of what are the potential threats, um, and and even the cybersecurity frameworks that are in place. They acknowledge that it's kind of retrospective. Because by the, by the time they adjust the framework, things would have already happened, and, and it takes time to change the framework. it takes time to change the policy. but at least we know, and as a patient, I would know that I'd be comfortable knowing that they are they do have processes in place to protect my uh, information um,
3: right. So, um, Gemini, we're almost out of time, and uh, Duffy's going to wrap this up here pretty quick. But um, uh, we're hoping you can join us for uh, the next radio uh, discussion about this, where we go into a deep dive. And there's a, a few things that we're going to want to tee up for that. One is, what are the metrics that matter for health systems that they can uh, look at, and and that would drive the kind of approaches they should should take, and then. Also, talking about this evolving digital health um, uh, footprint, particularly with the millennials um, coming in who really want to interact primarily electronically through telemedicine and so forth with their providers. Uh, what does that mean in terms of the healthcare landscape and this whole uh, process? And I'm sure we'll have other uh, questions as well.
1: We're hoping, yes, we get to continue the discussion with Gemini. Uh, we want to thank everyone for joining us for this portion of Leader Dialogue brought to you by SOAR Vision Group and the Baldridge Foundation. You can listen to us live every Friday at 1 o'clock. Visit Business Radio X, but you can also go to leaderdialogue.com slash podcast. On behalf of Ben and Jennifer and myself, Uh, Soar Vision Group, thanks for uh, what you do each and every week. And our producers, Trey and Mike. I'm Duffy Dixon, and join us next time on Leader Dialogue here on Business Radio X.